Before we started the episode, I wanted to congratulate my mom. She started her own private practice. I'm so thankful for this new opportunity and all the support that I've been given by family and friends and want to welcome anyone in the Columbus area who is looking for some healing and growth in their journey. Uh, you can go to my website is jhrcounseling.com and I would love to connect with you. Yeah, and you know it's good stuff. Um, the artwork was done by Emma Richards and Alexander Wells, and I helped with the website. So it looks great. So if you're in the Columbus area, definitely check out our website. Um, reach out. If, even if you reach out to the Community Roots Pod email, then we'll contact you then too. Now on with the episode. Maybe we can have an episode on teenage angst. I would love to talk about teens. Teens are my favorite little humans. <laughs> I was just telling my husband, like, they make such wise decisions beyond their years, and then they turn around and do something absolutely <laughs> dumb. So dumb. I'm like, now I understand why your mom's mad at you. <laughs> mm. uh, and why your grandma loves you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Yes. Anyway, um, hello, everyone. Welcome to Community Roots, a place where we gather in community to talk about mental health so we can travel the journey of life together. I'm Samuel Richards. I'm Adrienne Johnson. And today we are off the beaten path again with Amy Theodore. Welcome to the show, Amy. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, um, and I'm so flattered that you listen to the show, too. I do. Uh, last week we had my dad on the show, and we were saying he won a raffle, but maybe we should just go through our listeners, and our listeners could interview. That would be Ooh, pretty yes. cool. Anyway, <clears throat> so uh, tell us about you. Um, tell us a little bit about Amy. All right. Um, I'm Amy, and I live in the Dayton area. I, am, I work at the University of Dayton, and most of the work I do there is... Um, contract work through local schools. Um, currently one of the high schools I work in three days a week, so I work with a lot of teenagers. And then two days a week I supervise other counselors and I do professional development for local schools, um, teaching teachers about mental health, about behavior in the classroom. Um, I do presentations for parents in the evening about mental health and their kids. Um, so I do a lot of education on top of counseling. And then in addition to that, I work in a private practice where I see a lot of clients um, ages from about five. I think my oldest is maybe 62. Um, I do a lot of trauma work, EMDR. And then when that's not keeping me busy, I am also the president of the Miami Valley Counseling Association, and I am a PhD student, and I go to Walden University. So in a few weeks, I will be officially ABD, all but dissertation. <laughs> so with that work, I'm also teaching some classes right now and doing some research with some professors. So um, a lot of, uh, I have my hands in a lot of different places right now. Yeah, when you print your resume, do you have to go get another ring of paper? <laughs> yeah, ring of paper. Pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> Extra trees. Right? <laughs> well, that's awesome because Community Roots is totally dedicated to spreading that education about mental health. And that's so cool that we're working um, kind of on different fronts, but united in that. 
that's right. pretty cool. And they're so connected. That's a lot of what we do as counselors is education and how to, how to use the information. And so um, I think it just kind of flows pretty well. So as you're speaking, you are reminding me how busy you are. And so mm-hmm. I want to say thank you that you're here. Um, how do you strike balance in your life? Yes, I am. Um, that's a good question. Um, I do a lot of self-care. I make it a priority. Um, if you'll ask um, anyone who knows me, I'm scheduled almost to a fault, but to the point where on Sundays is my family and my kid day and that there's no schoolwork, there's no work work, there's no calls. And that is my day. And then um, in addition to that, I take at least 30 minutes to an hour every day where I just do a little mindfulness, a little deep breathing. Um, sometimes it's not all at once. It's five minutes here, five minutes there, but I try to do at least an hour. Um, and I, and, you know, I teach that to the people I supervise and my students. So I think it's, it's good to practice what you preach. And sometimes I have to be reminded of that, but I do make it a priority so that I am sitting here today and <laughs> I'm not asleep or, or, you know, busy with this and that you, you make time for what is a priority. Making time for priorities and having a work-life balance is essential to mental health. Talk to us about what mental health means to you. Yeah. I mean, I think from a very early age, it was something that I really was drawn to and at first it was actually education like I said before and I thought that's going to be my major and that's what I want to do I just felt I don't know a lot of people in our field talk about this calling to help others and to be in the helping profession and I I knew I wanted to do that and so I thought it was teaching and then my freshman year of college I took my first psychology class and I learned about mental health about the theories about um, a lot of the big names in the field and I was just fascinated and so um, I changed my major and I ended up um, you know kind of gravitating towards social science and mental health and then um, just went from there to get my master's in mental health counseling and um, my goal was always I thought you know be the person, and I saw this before, and I think that was always kind of where I was going, be the person that you needed when you were younger. And so that's kind of what propels me, especially when I work with kids. You know, I like working with all ages, but kids are kind of my thing. And I always think, even as much as they're driving their families or kids crazy, if I can be that that sounding board, that one person, and be that person that, you know, I needed when I was younger. So I think that's kind of what propels me and has kept me in the field and um, makes me want to keep learning more and more. Many of us strive to be the people that we needed when we were young, but sometimes there are impediments to that. And some of the impediments we were talking about off mic was um, barriers to safe people and stigma. And the stigma of having mental health issues and struggles and symptoms, especially during the holidays when they present sometimes most strongly. What do you see in your work regarding mental health stigma? Right. You know, um, I saw a little blurb one day that said the stigma against mental health is is killing people. Mm. And I thought, you know, as kind of dramatic as that is, it's true you know, not talking about it, not reaching out. And so I do, I see that not only in the field, but in, you know, our personal lives too. Um, I remember just going back a little bit in in my own personal life, I, I was adopted. And when I was about 20 years old, I had the opportunity to meet my birth grandmother. And so I thought, oh, this is great. I can find out some family history, some medical things, you know, things that I had no idea about. And what was really interesting is, and I was one, you know, asking her questions like, is there cancer in our genes or 
has anyone had diabetes or struggled with this or, you know, what country did we come from? What is our, you know, ethnicity, all this, all of these things. And um, she would say over and over, well, there's no crazies. Don't worry about that. Hmm. There's nobody that's crazy. And I was like, um, okay, well, I didn't ask that. But I mean, she was very, and I remember back then even thinking, okay, wow, okay, she really jumped to that. And I was like, okay, well, thank you for letting me know. Although I don't think that was totally true. <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay. But now, and then um, knowing, you know, working with clients and, and working, um, and first of all, that is something that you just, it is stigmatizing to be like someone with a mental health disorder is struggling with, you know, some emotional things to be called crazy, by the way. You know, we don't we don't really say that. It's nothing that um, I think it's, we're moving, gravitating away from that, but I think it's kind of thrown around before. But um, just, you know, letting people, now I think it's more and more common to be able to say, hey, I need help. And I've seen, you know, friends who know what I do for a living, like, hey, they'll call me. I had a call before I came down here today, a friend saying, hey, you know, my son's struggling. Can you give me some referrals or what do you think about this? And um, although that's definitely progress, there's still, you know, so much more work to be done. I think that there's a huge amount of stigma still in a day-to-day um I see it less in the younger generations and also in some online communities, I think. But I do think that it's a stymie to um, a lot of what the message that we try to spread. And um, it's frustrating, too, like especially in um, like the inner city and stuff like that. It's a stigma to instead. It's like, let's pretend like we're all okay. And let's just put this image of perfection out and then like nothing can touch me. It's kind of like the idea with confidence. You just fake it until you make it. But that isn't true with mental health. And um, also like this idea of a shrink and stuff. It's also like a common punching bag and comedy shows and stuff like that. What efforts do you notice in your work to combat stigma towards mental health? Actually, could I actually ask a question real quick that I was thinking about and I'll write down the time. That's my bad. We should come back to that. (laughs) I'm so sorry. Um, Re-question. I feel like there's this two-tiered behavior to stigma, or I think that there's a two-tiered thing to stigma. One being of both the mental health personally, and then the second with dealing with it like the mental health professionals themselves. And so I was wondering what you thought of that, if you would define it differently, or um, just because I see that people are like, oh, you're depressed, or oh, you're the crazies in Mm -hmm. our family. Um, And then I also see like shrink, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is a good question. I think in our field, one of the things too is to advocate for our field, advocate for our profession, um, referring to ourselves as counselors, not shrinks, um, you know, is one way and and to normalize it and to validate people who do go and see us. And and that is something that I also hear 
And um, also as professionals and as counselors to say, hey, you know what, we see and hear a lot of stuff and it can be really heavy sometimes and we see people and we need to see people and and just kind of set the tone and, and practice what we talk about and get our own help. It's part of our self-care. And so I think that can destigmatize it too to say, and even when I talk to parents sometimes and I say, hey, you know what? My kids go through things sometimes, or I go through things sometimes. I, you know, I've seen people and they say, really? Well, yes, of course. And there's no shame in that. And it's okay. It's okay to talk about it and it's okay to reach out and do it. And so, yeah, I think just by talking openly about it through, you know, general conversations. And it's one of those things you plant the seed or, you know, the little drop in the bucket and it, it just kind of spreads and it starts with each of us. So just in your normal conversation. And I think that's hard sometimes for people if you're in a social setting and someone is saying something and I, you know, I, I hear people call others by their um, labels like, Oh my gosh, he's so OCD or he's Mm -hmm. so ADHD. And, um, and sometimes it's like, you don't want to be that person to rock the boat or you don't want to be uncomfortable. But then again, just, you know, correcting it and you can do it in a manner that's still kind, but tactful and being like, Oh, you mean the person who has ADHD, mm-hmm. um, or who experiences, you know, these symptoms. And, um, usually it's enough to get them maybe thinking and it, at the very least they'll be careful about how they talk about it around you. But I think that's something that as counselors and as professionals, if we do not only in our, in our work, but just in, in our day to day lives too, I think that really goes a long way. This reminds me of some communications thing that I learned this semester. And um, it's interesting because both like how you change the behavior of your social group is by making those comments and basically saying without explicitly saying, hey, I want to change the behavior around and the mindset around mental health. And I think sometimes to my old friend group when... um, we were really not into insulting each other. Like some friend groups were like, oh, you suck, you guys suck. And we were like very against that. And so we kind of created that atmosphere and it was really cool to see. But I think the same thing with mental health, when we had Sarah Wakefield on the show, she talked about how beneficial it was to have a um, group of people that were aware of mental health and put it in the right way. But also I wanted to talk about the power of words and how putting the emphasis on the person being a person with um, mental health, like the focus is you being a person. And this is just one aspect of um, what you have to deal with. Yeah. Your struggles do not define you. You are not a label. You are not a diagnosis. You're a human with, with shared symptoms and it's, it's more, helpful to your mental health and to your well-being to reach out and for others to reach out to you and so it feels more normal and and going back to what you were both saying modeling kindness and modeling acceptance and tolerance makes it so much more easy to reach out and say I'm struggling with this thing thank goodness you understand and I heard you say that you are too in some respect let's talk about it that makes me feel like I can go to anyone in my field or in my community and share my experiences and be safe and be okay I also think we have this mindset. Part of why it's a stigma is you have, there's a mindset behind like there's the people who have mental health issues and then there's the people who don't. 
kind of mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. crazy's comment. Like there's just some people who are crazy and some people who are not crazy. But in the same way, it's like there aren't people who never get sick and then people who get sick. Like it's just everybody fits into the category of we need mental health help because we're not created. What we talked about with the um, trauma episode is everyone experiences trauma. Mm -hmm. And that's one great example of why mental health is necessary. And what I think is cool about mental health as well is it's kind of like that drop in the bucket wave kind, kind of thing where, once you start to get mentally healthy, you're like, okay, how can I help other people? <laughs> and how can I make them feel safe? Right. And how can I grow the safe community? Yeah, and I've noticed it even with, and, and you said something earlier about the generation, and it may be generational, you know, something that's being more accepted or more acceptable to discuss and to um, to reach out for help as they get younger. And I've noticed some of my um, high school students, I'll hear them say, oh, yeah, I know you see so-and-so, and of course, I don't acknowledge it, and I can't, but because um, he told me that you really help him, and then I can should come and see you too. And I'm like, wow, that's pretty powerful, you know, from especially a teenager, mm-hmm. um, for one of your peers to say, hey, you know, I needed help, and I went to someone who helped me, and you should too. So they're not only reaching out and advocating for someone else, but they're admitting that, hey, you know, I needed help and I went and got it and it's okay. So you're right. And I think it is kind of that drop and for people to understand, hey, someone else goes and, and they're okay. So I'll be okay too. How does mental health stigma affect our community? Um, that's a really good question. And I think it's, um, some of it's cultural, you know, and you, you discuss some areas sometimes where I think that it's, it's not as accepted to be able to discuss or not as accepted to be able to seek out um, help in certain communities. And also just with, um, I know that their statistics say that more men are, are least likely to reach out for help or to discuss um, mental illness or um, emotional issues. And cause there's a stigma about, okay, you're weak or you're not strong. And so, and I think that a lot of that is how it affects our community. So what are you doing instead? You're not getting help or you're dealing with it and, you know, coping in an unhealthy manner or you're acting out in a different way that's not helpful because you're not, you know, comfortable enough based on the feedback you're afraid is going to happen or how it's going to look based on that stigma and you're not getting any assistance. So, and I think that also has a ripple effect throughout our community. So, who is it also harming, you know, in addition, your relationships, your families, I mean, yourself, your work, your functioning. And so it has a, a huge, you know, impact on everyone. So it's like, how do we make that within our community and within, you know, everyone around us more, you know, approachable, the topic and seeking, you know, counseling and just going and, and talking to someone or basically just admitting that it's okay. Like, even if I don't go, you know what, it's okay that you do. So um, it does by the stigma is it, it has a huge effect on everyone. I love what you said about being accessible mm-hmm. and approachable. Mm-hmm. How can I do that as a mental health practitioner, as a community member? And as a teacher, how can I be approachable to someone who may be struggling and may identify me as a safe person? Right. And I think, and I don't know if you deal with that um, as well. I think sometimes when people hear what you do, all of a sudden um, they gravitate to you as, as they should. But 
And, and although I don't think we should feel the pressure and say we're representing the entire counseling community, we kind of are, you know, that might be the difference between the, whether they do seek help or they don't. So that is a good question. I've had people, like I said, they've approached me about themselves or about their, you know, friends or family. And, um, and I think how you react can make a huge difference in what they do with that. And so, and not to put a lot of pressure on it, but sometimes just saying, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry you're going through this. What can I do to help you? And obviously, you know, it's a conflict of interest or a dual relationship. I'm not going to treat you, but how can I help you if that's what you feel like you need? And I don't know how many people I've, I've referred out. And I think it's more than just saying, well, you know, look on the, on the computer, you know, Google so-and-so and see if you can find them. But to say, you know what? I have some colleagues. Let me call around. Let me see who specializes in this. Um, let me see who's accepting clients or who's accepting your insurance. And just going that little extra step goes such a long way because a lot of them, I think if they go to you and you kind of push them away and you say, oh, well, you'll be okay. Or, oh, just call somebody. They're least likely to follow through. So if you really want to be an advocate, not only for your friend, your colleague, your family member, but for the profession, you're really going to make an effort to make sure that they do get the help that they need. And then, and then they're going to pay it forward as well and say, yeah, you know, I went and it helped. And they'll, they'll feel, I think it'll be less stigmatizing because that it was accepted and, um, and someone was compassionate and honored that. I also think in your own community groups, being able to smash the stigma and what we talked about earlier, which was if somebody makes a joke or a comment that isn't um, mental health friendly or puts other people down, you can change that mindset and kind of stand your ground and just say, hey, it's actually really important that they're going to go see a therapist and um, also talking positively about how mental health has affected you in a way that you've dealt with it and now you feel better because it's also in that same mindset that some people just haven't dealt with things and they don't understand the relief and the security that you get once you actually go through and you deal with it. Speaking positively and modeling positivity is very empowering and that that empowerment we feel when we come together and address it does so much for smashing stigma. And I find that when I take that approach in my classroom or in my practice or just in my personal life, I find myself smashing shame instead. And Mm -hmm. I encourage others to speak what they're going through, speak their truth, speak their narrative and and know that I am a person who is going to understand and go that extra mile as you were talking about, Amy, mm-hmm. uh, to help them and for them to feel empowered so that they can empower others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's a really good point saying, you know, um, I've been through that and and um, and I got better or um, I, I got treatment and it helped. And I've noticed even in the media Um, There are a lot of celebrities coming out, and Mm -hmm. I think that's helped. You know, that's helped. They say, I've dealt with, you know, depression or I've dealt with addiction and or this crippling anxiety, and I've received treatment for it, or I took a time out. And it, it seems that when that happens, the media really, they're supportive. I mean, most of the stories that I've read have been like, 
oh, you know, we really hope she gets better or good for her for letting us know. And so I think that's really going to help, you know, decrease the stigma. Like I said, I think there's still some populations. It's going to be a little bit more difficult and until you see someone close to you've been through it to make it more personable. But, you know, if there's a celebrity that you really look up to and say, hey, they've been through this and they got through it and they sought help. And I think it decreases that shame. What would you say to a listener who has encountered shame-based behavior from others when they came forth and said, I'm struggling with an issue, what do I do? Yeah, and um, that's so unfortunate because like I said before, that could paint their whole view of mental health, of counseling. Um, I would tell them the same thing I tell a lot of the kids I work with, then go to someone else. Um, If you're not validated and you don't feel that you've been heard or compassion, you know, that's just one person. You go to someone who you feel will listen and um, just to let them know, or sometimes you're that person and just let them know that's okay. And, you know, I'm sorry you went through that. or I'm sorry. That's how they reacted. And, um, but I will listen or, or someone else will. And that's a good point. Cause I do think that can turn people off. And I've heard people say that they'll say, I didn't want to go to a counselor because I had this horrible experience before. And sometimes it's, it's, it's just based on just not feeling supported or someone shaming them because they did go and just listening, say, I'm really sorry you went through that, but not everyone is that way. So I also had a question. What do you think of shame coming from the home? Like Mm -hmm. how, how can you get over that? Because I sometimes feel that the older generations are less accepting of mental health. And also it can just come from anywhere, not necessarily a certain generation, but that stigma with somebody in the home or your close knit community. Yeah. And that's a hard one. And sometimes that's generational or that's been, you know, it's come through, you know, through family beforehand, there is that shame to talk about it. And, um, in that case, and I don't always think people are malicious when they do it, that's what they know. And so when I have, um, family members who come and, and first of all, I really validate them and say, I know how hard it was for you because I know you don't get the support at home, but you can find that support elsewhere. And, um, and you just kind of build your own community around you. You know, I'm, I'm an import, I say from, um, Texas to Ohio and, um, my family, my neighbors, I love them to death. They, they're so supportive part of it, but they're not blood. They're my, they're my family. And, you know, we all have those close friends that you can, you can call the drop of the hat. And it's not saying that the people who don't understand, or like I said, bad or malicious, but to support them and say, you know, I'm sorry, you're not getting this kind of validation or this kind of support that you need, but where else can we look? How we, can we build that support system? Cause it's so important. It's important in general for everyone, but especially someone who might be struggling with some emotional issues or mental illness. It also reminds me of our boundary episode, being able to put like a hand over yourself and say, hey, your beliefs aren't my beliefs. And so how you Mm -hmm. deal with things doesn't mean that I have to deal with them in the same way, Mm -hmm. I think, um, is just what that image brought up for me was that motion. Yeah, I like that. It's weird because I'm getting like lessons every week. (laughs) (laughs) See, there's that teacher in me. (laughs) A question that's been on my mind is... What advocacy efforts do you see through MVCA and OCA and in our community in general Mm -hmm. to combat stigma with mental health? Yeah. Um, You know, the um, Miami Valley Counseling Association, we um, are regrouping and become active in the last year. And I think just getting that out there and 
um, organizing a lot of events as far as professional development events and even just some counselors getting together. And, you know, we've had some recent some recent tragedies in the Dayton area and we've really come together when that has happened and and the outpouring that I received as a president of the association from our members but not just members just counselors in the agent in the area contacting me and saying how can we help what can we do um, after the tornadoes I mean there was such a huge um, collaboration in the counseling field in a lot of the mental health fields some social workers and psychologists in the area reaching out to me and saying what can we do and one of the biggest things was just supporting them and validating them and just saying oh my gosh, of course you're going through a lot. This was traumatic and it's okay to feel this way. It's okay to think this. It's normal and um, you're going to get through this and we're going to be here for you to help you. So I think just as an association, just kind of helping to disseminate that and advocate for not only seeking help, but for people in their profession that, you know, there is a lot that we can do. Some things we were talking about off air as well was how if you are reacted to poorly after trauma, especially for your own trauma, then that trauma is just going to compound. So how we react to those crises can compound that trauma in a negative way. Absolutely. You know, that mentality, oh, well, you know, just get over it or get through it or you'll be okay. Just, you know, stop crying or stop feeling that way. That is so invalidating and it is traumatizing and it's really not validating the experience or the emotions and the things that you're going through. I worked in grief therapy for quite a while. And I think the people who had the most difficult time or the people who were told just get over it. And some of these were very traumatic experiences and we all deal with things in our own way and to be like, that's okay. And, um, and it's normal and it's all right. And you're right. Just being traumatized by being told over and over again that, you know, to get over, to get through it, or it's not that bad. And you're right. So I think just the supportive part and just knowing when it tips the scales and you're, and you say, you know, it's okay, let's go get some help or it, it, you're having a little bit difficult time with it. Let, let's go. And, and I can guide you through that. Some people are resistant to getting help. And mm-hmm. I find that there are five magical words that I use that builds that bridge. How can I support you? Wow. And that usually will will show people that I'm I'm a safe person. I will help you. I will sit with you. And and when you're ready, we will go get help. And I will be there every step of the way as much as I can be. Yeah, I like that. You know, I'll guide you. Tell me what you need. Yo, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. I like that. We actually talked about last week with grief and trauma, sometimes just providing for people saying like, hey, I'm cooking myself some food. Can I cook you some and drop it off too? Because we talked about how after trauma, you're immobilized. Mm. But uh, what this makes me think of with this, um, fighting the stigma, smashing the stigma, and um, these traumatic events is, in our trauma episode, we talked about how you can overcome trauma, any trauma, as long as you have enough supports and um, that... Uh, you can get through it. So having that positive mindset about mental health can um, create a community that is ready to deal with those things instead of, like you mentioned before, putting people down or just saying, hey, it's not a big deal. Get over it. Or it already happened. Like, we're already through it. Let's just. Yeah. 
Okay, so I think we're at the end of our episode. Um, if you have any thoughts about smashing the stigma um, or uh, any questions or thoughts or about your mental health experience, please email us at communityroots.pod at gmail.com. Uh, like I said before, it goes straight to our phones. So you have the inside loop and you're right in our pocket. <laughs> so reach out and uh, we can have a conversation and make this a community. Um, I love that. That made me feel even closer to our listeners. <laughs> They're in my pocket. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> a little creepy, but good. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can also uh, please rate and review us on iTunes. Um, that's how we get noticed. We're ranked podcast now, so uh, we really need that to get higher and kind of spread the word so we can smash the stigma. Uh, we created this podcast to um, educate people and spread the word so that we can have a healthier environment. So um, please help us out in that way by rating and reviewing us. A lot of our updates also come through Facebook and Instagram. Um Go ahead and search Community Roots on Facebook um, or the same on Instagram. Or you can check out the show notes and click our link tree, and that'll take you to wherever you need to go. Um, so anyway, uh, we like to end the each episode on things we're grateful for, some gratitudes. And today I'm really grateful for the snow that we just had because it wasn't too bad. It melted in a couple days. And it just made everything feel Christmassy, like the holiday season. So I was excited that I had a taste of winter without being <laughs> mushed <laughs> and inconvenienced by it. I am I am not grateful for snow. <laughs> I don't love it. <laughs> but I am grateful that I get to experience it with my friends and my family and my colleagues. Yeah, and you took my... Um my gratitude for the snow. I would have said that as well. I'm not a snowbird, but I really actually kind of enjoyed it this time. But I will say, um, I am, I'm really grateful in the last couple of weeks for Amazon. I told you how busy that I am. And, um, I have done the majority of my shopping there just to make <laughs> it a, you know, <laughs> a little bit, um, shallow there. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for mail order shopping. So that's really great. But, um, other than that, I, I am actually very grateful that uh, y'all made me a part of this podcast today. Thank you very much. Yeah. We're going to have to reach out to Amazon and demand some money dollars. <laughs> I, for agree. That. <laughs> I just gave them some, <laughs> some free advertisement. Thanks. There we go. Okay. Well, thanks for joining us this week and we will see you next week um, on Community Roots. Um,